Welcome to Choose Views with Richard Chu. Get ready to dive into a world of insightful conversations and thought-provoking discussions. As progressives, our job is to have an all-inclusive, full-on assault with all of our players. A show that will focus on moving our political, social, economic, gender, and cultural conversation forward. And all of our players means all of our players. It's Choose View. And now, here's your host, Richard Chu. Hey, happy Tuesday morning. Today is Tuesday. Oh, yeah, today's, today, today is Tuesday. Uh, I, I was telling us when I got in, I was like, man, it's, it's got that little cloudiness outside. The roads are a little damp. It's not rainy, but it's like that, that over. It's that type of uh, morning where your windshield won't clear off. And no matter how many times you hit the windshield wiper, the, the little fog is like, nope, I'm not leaving. I like it here. I like hanging out on your windshield. I'm not going anywhere. So how do I give you the uh, Tuesday morning choose views weather report? Uh, maybe leave five minutes earlier today, give yourself a little bit of extra breaking time and cornering time and uh, be the be the um, be the top of the heap when it comes to driving uh, skills today. Don't be driving too fast. Don't be rushing up on anybody. Uh, remember, you should stop a little bit sooner or slow down. Or as my father used to say, take your foot off the accelerator a little bit sooner. Um, and, uh, just give yourself a little bit of extra time this morning. So trust me, I was, I, I kept, I, the windshield wiper, I kept hitting it. Like, why doesn't this, you know, change the, into, you know, you do all those things. You know what to do. You've been driving for 40 plus years. I know what to do, but it was like, it wouldn't stop. I thought, okay, let the window down, let the window down. That didn't help. I was like, oh, let's do the cross strap front window, back window. You know, like when you're driving and somebody accidentally breaks wind in the car and you're like, oh man. So, you know, it was one of those mornings. I was like, okay. So you guys just be careful driving uh, to wherever you drive this morning. As you all, you guys know, uh, I guess this is just part of my heart. Be careful in your commutes today. Uh, still going to be nice out. We were, we were, we were joking about this, but Alex and I said, yeah, but we'll take the 57, 58 degrees that we got right now because tomorrow is going to be different. But, uh, yeah, guys, uh, welcome to Choose Views. The number is 773-763-9278. We've got a lot to talk about today. Um, it's just, uh, it's amazing what's happening in our crazy, 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 crazy world. Um, so let me hit a couple quick things this morning right out of the gate. Um, the Republican National Committee Chair, you guys may have heard this, Rona McDon- McDaniel, or I like to say Rona McRomney, uh, says that she's calling it quits. Uh, she's done. The chair, the soon to be former chair of the RNC, plans to step down uh, and paving the way for a slate of Donald Trump loyalists to lead the party. Um, and we've all heard, and you heard me talk about this, that uh, his daughter-in-law, Lara, Lara Trump, is set to be one of the co-chairs, along with this dude. His name is Chris uh, uh, Lasavita, La- 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 something like that. Um, all I'm going to say is this dude, you got to look him up. You have to Google him. He is, um, he's been in the game for a while. Let me just put it that way. He understands how to manipulate the, the resources. He understands how to manipulate the information. Um, he was the dude that was part of the Swift Boat campaign. Yeah, I just took everybody back. You just hit your brakes in your brain to um, the, 20, uh, the 2004 election, which was the, excuse me, the re-election campaign for George uh, Bush II. Uh, if you guys remember, Swift Boat was all about John Kerry's um, time post-Vietnam 
etc. So this dude, Chris Lasavita, I think that's the correct pronunciation of his name, and Laura Trump are probably going to play some dirty games. So you guys start seeing that stuff. Be prepared for it. Um, if you're an Eagles fan, and I don't mean the football team, I'm talking about the group, uh, uh, one of the lead singers, lead uh, members, lifelong members, Don Henley, is going to take the stand um, regarding the lyrics. The displacement is what I'll call it of the lyrics of some of the songs on their um, epic classic album, Hotel California. Now, you guys know I like a little bit of all kinds of music. I tend to lean in the jazz. Uh, I don't tend to. I lean in the direction of jazz, even though Eric Grant, my my, um, my road dog on the family meeting, um, is all about the funk. I love the funk, too. But I can get down with a variety of different types of music, and the Eagles uh, Hotel California is a classic epic album um, that, um, you know, the, the lyrics surrounding that, Album, which was a blockbuster, came out in 1976, uh, are under scrutiny in terms of some of the handwritten notes and uh, pages of lyrics that uh, were part of the development of that album. So uh, just an interesting um, an interesting case that's coming down or, or uh, trial that's coming down. Um, let's see. What else is happening? I think um, that President Biden is taking it serious about this government shutdown. He is call, uh, calling for congressional leaders uh, to to get together to have a meeting to discuss so we don't run off the rails on Friday. You guys know the deadline to fund the government uh, is once again looming large and head, we're headed for that same I don't know what you call it, but kick the can down the road. Um, and I just I hope that they can, you know, this is a this is a there, there's so many there's so many topics that that take, you know, um, that we could talk about for my my two hours of my show. Uh, but I just want to, you know, kind of touch on this and, and make sure you guys are aware that the government is once again in that um, the throes of, of um, uh, shutdown. And uh, Friday is stage one. And then next week would be stage two. So President Biden is kind of leading the uh, the charge and the conversation about it. So that they um, we don't have the partial shutdown on March 1st, which is which is um, right around the corner. And as I said, the the second deadline comes next week, um, uh, next Monday, sorry, next Monday, next Friday, the 8th. So apologize for that. Uh, Wow. What else is happening? CPAC. Wow. So they've got their list of who they they had their little, you know, get together this weekend and um, they are looking at a list of people that they want as CPAC members, I guess you would call them, to be their um, top candidates for vice president. And right now, it looks as though, and you guys, you know, hold on to your seats. It looks as though, based on the voting that they took place that took place at their uh, their gathering, that um, biotech entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy. Um, and South Dakota Governor Christy Nome came out tied um, as a top pick by CPAC attendees, um, and um, that was basically what they when they polled approximately fifteen percent of the people that were in attendance. Um, and ironically, this is what this is this is what people are screaming about when it comes to who do you really trust when it comes to those on the fence Democrats uh, or those far 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 left. Uh, uh, Democrats, former Democratic um, Representative Tulsi Gabbard came in third with nine percent, um, which shouldn't shock anybody. But at the same time, it may surprise some people who would how would she you know suddenly be one of the top 
picks for vice, uh, vice president on the, on the GOP side. Uh, followed by Senator Tim Scott, uh, the McToothy brother. Uh, I, I just, I have so much to say about Tim Scott. I'll, I'll keep it, I'll keep it clean. Uh, and then House Republican uh, con- uh, Conference Chairwoman Elise Stefanik uh, came in uh, basically fourth with 8%. Uh, Byron Donalds of Florida and Carrie Lake got 6%. So there's that's the lineup. Ramaswamy, Noam, Gabbard, Scott, Stefanik, uh, Donalds, and Lake. Um, man, that is that definitely not a... Uh, um, <laughs> That is not a, a strong batting uh, group, uh, but hey, uh, it is what it is. It's the Republican uh, leading, according to their their the attendees at their their gathering. Those are the leading folks. Uh, what else I got for you guys? Um, Chase, good old Chase, right here in Chicago. Amid all the conversation about businesses that are deciding to leave downtown Chicago or no longer have uh, the same amount of brick and mortar space. Um, as, as it relates to downsizing, downsizing their downtown office space, J.P. Morgan is doubling down on its longtime local headquarters, um, announcing a multi-year renovation project yesterday. Uh, the Chase Tower, uh, as we all know, I still call it, you know, the, the first national bank uh, building because that's what it was when I when I was uh, growing up. But I didn't realize this, that that building has been uh, there for 55 years. And that's pretty cool. I mean, it is it is part it is a serious part of the city skyline because it's a 60 story skyscraper. And sometimes I guess, you know, you know, we have such, uh, so many great tall buildings and Chicago was the epicenter for them for a long time. I mean, we all know the Sears tower was the tallest building in the world for a long time. Hancock was right there, second or third. Um, and still these, these, you know, those two buildings rank as a, in the top, uh, 15 in the world, if I have my numbers right. Um, and um, there's been other to, others to surpass it. But um, but the Chase Tower and, and J.P. Morgan Chase has decided they're going to lean in and, and stay in that space. They're going to a huge amount of renovation. And, um, you know, they're looking they're, they're looking at this as their way of kind of um, making some collaborative space and making sure the building promotes folks to work together. And, you know, that's that's kind of cool. So I'm excited to see that uh, Chase is taking that role. And then one one kind of positive, um, optimistic thing that's happened that uh, I'll, I'll go through real quickly before we hit this break. The widow of top Warren Buffett investor uh, has donated one billion dollars to cover tuition for all future students of the Albert Einstein College of Medicine. That widow would be um, the widow uh, Ruth Gottesman, uh, gifts the largest ever to a U.S. medical school to help um, students who have, uh, you know, tuition debt and tuition expenses from attending um, Albert Einstein College of Medicine. Now, that to me is what when you got that type of uh, uber, 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 uber wealth, um, those are the things you do. That's helping. And it's it's not a partisan uh, contribution. It's a contribution to people who want to further their um, their education and not be straddled with all the debt. Because one of the things that I read yesterday is that the number of people who are um, enrolling in medical school is going down because of the just tremendous amount of debt that uh, medical students are having to take on. So uh, kudos to uh, Ms. Gottesman for her contribution. Hey, guys, the number is 773-763-9278. I see your calls already. We look forward to having you on the show today. But right now, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. 
It's Chew's View with Richard Chew on WCPT 820, where facts matter. Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, some quick shout outs to those of you on Facebook Live. Thank you for the thank yous. And uh, of course, you can always find our uh, post shows or find our shows post show on uh, WCPT uh, SoundCloud. So uh, check us out there. Uh, tune in radio, uh, all the great spots. So I mentioned in my in my opening a little bit about the CPAC candidates uh, or the, the list of who might be the uh, GOP candidates for vice president, to be specific. Um, so I've got some opinions or more so observations about each of them um, in each case. And this happens in, in, in most of the general election cycles. You're going to see a shift from those who were running for the top spot, then shift to kind of a neutral spot to make sure that they kiss the ring of whoever the either uh, lead candidate is or um, someone that, that um, resembles the lead candidate or might be the most probable lead candidate for the top of the ticket. So let's just kind of take a quick quick sneak peek. Vivit Ramaswamy um, is, according to what the CPAC uh, voting, or VEEP stakes as they call it, uh, along with Christy Nome, uh, have come out tied. And I mean, this is, this is it's early, but it's something that's going to happen. They're going to pick a VP candidate uh, or VP running mate for um, who will inevitably, inevitably be um, Donald Trump is the head of the GOP ticket. And so I think... Um, that it'll be interesting to see who actually this bakes out to be because every, every during these cycles, the, the, the other candidates will always trash talk to some extent about the person that's leading because they want to see if there's any um, chinks in the armor that can really be um, expanded. In this case, Ramaswamy didn't really do that um, with Trump. He kind of took the position that you know, Trump's a great guy. We love him. He's our guy, et cetera, et cetera. So Ramaswamy and Nome have, are potentially the reason that they're leading right now in the veep stakes for the GOP is because neither of them took swipes at really any significant. Um, they didn't pull out the Hanzu sword swipes at, at, at Trump. They may have tried to jab him with a, with a pocket knife, but they didn't really go after him. Um, and I think that, you know, from what I've what I've read and what we've all seen, Trump wants someone that's going to be, you know, less less caustic to his brand. Um, so Ramaswamy is, it fits that that uh, labeling because during the debates, he definitely didn't. When Christie would take a swipe or when uh, Nikki Haley would or other folks would, he kind of, you know, stayed neutral. Um, and if not praising uh, Trump, Christy Nome, on the other hand, this is going to sound not meant to sound sexist, but it's going to sound that way. Um, she is by all whatever measures are viewed as viewed as a um, attractive looking woman. That's a governor um, of a state that he doesn't need from a from a electoral college vote standpoint. Um, however, it will probably be the way that he'll try to reach out to some suburban women. She is the, um, she represents that in some ways. So I think that they're, that's not taking away from her expertise, but she has shown her stupidity, uh, like any of the other candidates have, or, or those that have been campaigning men and women on the, on the GOP side. So Christy Noem could, could be a good fit because I think that, um, he wants to, meaning, uh, Trump wants to probably have someone that, 
will give a um, a different look than Vice President Harris presents. Vice President, Vice President Harris represents um, a different type of strong woman than Christy Nome does. And you, all you got to do is look at any of the things that they both have done. And uh, the vice president, even if she if she were not vice president, is far more accomplished than uh, Christy Nome is. Um, Tulsi Gabbard, she's going to be a flamethrower. If she were the pick, I can just see. I, I believe me, if she's the pick, and they actually do have debates. Uh, she and Vice President Harris are. It, it'll be interesting. Vice President Harris is going to run her over and back up over over back up over her. Uh, but they were already going at it during the 2020 um, uh, Democratic debates, and Vice President Harris, as as a candidate, put her set her down. Um, but it'll be interesting. I, I for me, I guess this is just my brain. The debates um, are always interesting. Uh, but if Tulsi Gabbard were to get the nod, uh, man, there's going to be some fireworks. If there, if there is a vice presidential debate, there will be some fireworks. You can count on that. And I'd like to hear what you guys have to say about it. Uh, but there will be some fireworks. Um, there will also be some fireworks if Tim Scott gets the nod. And I'm talking about this is vice presidential debates. Um, there'll be some fireworks there and it'll be interesting because it'll be the African-American male against the vice president, African-American female. That's going to represent some interesting commentary. Uh, and it'll, for me, it'll be interesting to watch how the news, how the, how the media handles it. You know, what, what, how, how many times are they going to be tempted to talk about this sort of battle between black women and, and black men. Okay. I'm just, I'm just calling it as it is calling it as the life I've lived. There'll be this, there'll be this temptation by the media to try to try to build some sort of narrative and some sort of, you know, drama between black men and, and black, uh, black women. Trust me on that. In six months, you all going to say, yeah, Richard was right. That's exactly what happened. If, if Tim Scott's a choice. Okay. It's the, I, Wait and see. Y'all watch. Okay. Uh, same thing with if, if it's Byron Donalds, uh, another, you know, a black rep, uh, a House of Representatives member uh, on the G, for the GOP. Same thing is going to happen there. It, it's just it is where we are. And there'll be fireworks with Carrie Lake. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, Elise Stefanik, there will be some, but it'll be um It'll be a different kind of fireworks. So I'm really, I have to tell you, the debate that I'm, the, the, I'm more interested in watching the debates for the VP of the VPs than I am of the top of the ticket between Biden and and, uh, and Trump, because that'll be what it's going to be. It'll, you know, we 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 love we love President Biden. We're supporting him. I'm unequivocally, unapologetically, full throated supporting that ticket. Um, and y'all can come to me with the age thing and, and, and all that all day long. I'm looking at the results. I'm not looking at his age. Um, so anybody that's a, that's a progressive that wants to say, yeah, but we should replace him with Gavin Newsom. Or we should replace, whatever. Go tell your mother that. I am supporting the, tip, the, tip, the current administration because I believe in what they're trying to get done and what they have done. But as it relates to the, as it, uh, relates to the debates, oh, man. It's going to be it's going to be epic to watch if they have a vice presidential debate or two, because uh, Vice President Harris um, is going they're they're going to whoever they choose 
is going to be in part to come after her. You guys got to prepare yourselves for that. I'm, I'm not saying that to be hyperbolic. They're going to pick a candidate not because of that person's ability to govern in terms of the, the GOP. Um, they're not going to pick a candidate based on their ability to govern. They're going to pick a candidate that's going to be able to throw dirt on uh, Vice President Kamala Harris. Because of the and if this is if these are the top people right now and 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 the person that didn't show up on the list is uh, Nikki Haley, I don't know if that's the direction that that Trump would go in picking her, um, but let's take her out of the equation for a second. I've talked about her before as a potential VP and what that might mean, but these folks are all their calculations by the GOP and CPAC to have someone that can throw dirt that will attempt to throw dirt on Vice President Harris. She'll be prepared for it. I know she will be, um, but um, you watch. So anyhow, I just uh, I had to lean into that a little bit because I, I, I see where that's going. Talking about Nikki Haley for a second. Um, yesterday, I said that she steps out of the race now. She should step out of the race, um, depending on what happens in Michigan. But I said she should step out of the race after what happened over the weekend. And if she wanted to have a political career, um, some people said no, um, but this is what I'll throw out, that she should step out of the race now and and recalibrate uh, re, uh, her footing and get ready for 2028 because she's not going to be the nominee. And she may hurt her brand by staying in because then I think she would do more damage to herself by staying in and continuing to go after Trump than she would by stepping out and actually saying Trump's not right for the country. I've... Trump's right, not right for the Republican Party any longer and endorse Biden. I said, I know it's a risk. And I have a couple of people that sent me text messages and all that said her career would be over. They would they would treat her like the Dixie Chicks. Um, but I think that she would she's the one that's in the middle politically of these. Of, so of the vice presidential candidates right now are the, G, the, the leading GOP uh, uh, potential people. She's the one that's the that's the most. If you can call this moderate, she's the one that's most moderate. So she wants to get independent voters in four years. She needs to start to make her way down that path now by stepping out of the race and endorsing uh, President Biden. I know it doesn't make sense, may not make sense to some folks, and I'm not disagreeing, but I just think that she would she could set herself apart from everybody else that's just griping. So that's how I look at it. Anyhow, guys. The number is 773-763-9278. This is Choose Views. And guess what? We will be right back. It's Choose Views with Richard Chu on WCPT 820. Chicago's progressive talk. And we're back, guys. Good morning. Good Tuesday morning. Hello hello to all of my uh, morning road dogs. Um, so here's some, some other things that are... Just on my my little skewed view of this, Sweden is getting close to being a member of uh, NATO. And what happened is, so many people hear the conversation around Trump's um, love or embracing of so-called dictators uh, or strongmen, as it were, in various uh, countries. And Viktor Orban is that person in Hungary. So the interesting kind of, um, I guess... Uh, maybe dichotomy is a, is, a, is a good way, a good word to use. Um, but certainly the interesting parallel is, um, you know, Trump is so has obviously been speaking negatively about NATO and what he would do and how he would if he were um, uh, reelected. 
and how that would impact his you know, relationship with Russia. What I found interesting is that Viktor Orban, who Trump has kind of tried to be buddies with, um, voted for the um, uh, for Sweden to become part of NATO. And what's interesting about that is I said this last week about the percentages when we talk about what um, the GDP number is, the percentage of, a G- of GDP that NATO countries should be contributing. It's two percent of their GDP to the NATO um for lack of better words, uh, membership twos. Well, Hungary, which you would think would oppose that another country joins NATO that is essentially giving their um, their backing to protecting those uh, borders surrounding Russia or Russia-adjacent uh, borders, uh, you would think maybe that Orban wouldn't have voted in a way to... Um, um, to get Sweden into uh, into NATO, and and I, and I know this is this is kind of one of those in the weeds conversations, but it just struck me as interesting that the guy who um, who you would think, based on what Trump runs around talking about, would be opposed to additional members of NATO, voted for an additional member of NATO that is a country that um, is on the wink wink list of Putin's next potential directions that he might go. And, and to that end, I know some people um, didn't agree with how I said this uh, a couple of weeks ago with regard to the next step if Ukraine were to fall. Well, it did come out in a report that that um, that Poland isn't taking any any chances. So th- those of you who may be, um, you know, NATO scholars, uh, I think it's different than being a, a, a keyboard warrior on NATO activity. It, the difference between that and having uh, having a country on the borders of a uh, country at war with Russia, it's miles apart from reading it in a book to actually being there and having to make decisions. And Poland is 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 ramping up for the potential of that happening. So, you know, I think that a lot of times we got to be we got to give respect and 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 some um, some credence to what people who are on the ground say about those activities. So um, just a couple things that I noticed when I was doing some um, some research on NATO and that Sweden is, is getting close and that's that's good for them as a country. And I think it's good for NATO because it strengthens the overall infrastructure of NATO. Um, <coughs> excuse me, guys. <coughs> Had to hit the pink button so that you guys didn't have to hear me cough this morning. Unless that, help, unless that helps you wake up. Uh, so, so here we go. Um, when I talked about the importance of making sure we monitor what the media is doing. Um, one of the things that struck me as interesting is the last 10 days since this information came out about the uh, so-called witness that the GLP, uh, you know, Jim Jordan and, and Comer have as it relates to the uh, Hunter Biden case and then trying to connect that to um, President Biden and his brother, that's falling apart. But what's even more interesting to me than its literal falling apart is how Fox Entertainment has really kind of like pulled back their um, their uh, their talons into covering this story. And what I found interesting is they seem to be more willing incrementally to correct Trump when he's on 
any of their uh, shows. And I caught this clip of Trump um, on with Brett Baer and how Trump was going on about the numbers of votes that were fraudulent and the ballot boxes that were stuffed. And he was going down his normal, you know, Trumpisms about the election and um, that they still had cases in court that hadn't been decided yet. And Brett Baer was prepared, unusually prepared to say, no, um, those ba- that was that was already adjudicated. Those boxes weren't stuffed. No, those electors were uh, were false electors or fake electors. No, um, it's gone to court 51 times and you didn't win any of those cases. And it's it's interesting, I, I think, and I, and I was reading a couple of legal opinions on this, that part of the reason that they're doing that now is that they can't be part of the lie. They still want to have a have a um have influence with GOP or MAGA voters but they're not going to be they're not going to on air be part of the lies that someone else is is trying to perpetrate while being on a show uh, namely and primarily Trump so i found it interesting pay attention to how fox handles this election cycle particularly if Donald Trump is at the, will be the top of the ticket for the GOP pay attention to how they handle when they have him on and, and and I look at I'll say another thing on that, how much they have him on, because I think the more they have him on without calling him out, the more they go back. They, they put themselves back in a risky position as it relates to the to the suit that they had um, and, and the seven hundred and eighty five million dollars that they had to pay. So I'm. I'm looking at kind of the the the, the tea leaves, if you want to call it that. But I'm also looking at what they actually are doing on their broadcast. And I wonder if this time around, uh, Fox is going to be less driven to cover Trump in the way that they've covered him in the past. I'm not saying that they won't cover him because they know that their watchers, their viewers and and, and their their, their followers are going to want that red meat. But I think they're going to be probably if this is and this is the second time I've seen that. Um, Brett Bear's done it twice, so we'll see what happens. But I just been paying attention to that, and wondering: Are they? Slu- uh, are they? Did they get the message about how much money they had to spend because of the lies that they perpetrated after the 2020, 2020 election? So we'll see. But um, um, pay attention to that. All right, guys, uh, we got to hit. Well, we, no, we're not. We're not there yet. I'm rushing it. No, we're, we're we're running a little bit smooth today. I like that. So, all right, let's uh, let's grab a couple of calls then before we go to this break. Let's see about my man Michael from Chicago on early voting in Chicago. Hey, good morning, Michael. How are you? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. I'd like to mention a little new information I have about the importance of using, protecting our early voting sites and utilizing them, using them wisely, because they're liberal institutions. we got to protect them. Now, I know Chicago is a pretty democratic, liberal town, but uh, we, we got to protect them. For, for example, a simple thing, outside the early voting sites for publicity, for publicity, they're usually on busy streets where a lot of cars are going by. we got to make sure the political signs of the various candidates are upright, are, are standing upright, are in the ground. Uh, why would they be knocked down? Well, there's many different reasons. The wind might knock them down, or vandals, teenage kids might knock them down. Or what I'm worrying about this year is that the Republicans, uh, the, the Trump people, might want to knock them down, because most of them are Democrats. 
and sometimes even the Chicago Board of Election Commissioners, they have a right to knock them down if they think they're within 100 feet of the door of the voting place. Right. But if you... If we have a right as private citizens to go out and put those uh, signs back up. I've done this for 20 years. I, I do this kind of work. You know? so, I mean, that's, and, that's, that's, and that's what I was going to ask you, Michael, just to kind of ride along with you. So during the elections that we have, and we've got a lot, and this is, this is a, a, a full-on election year uh, with primaries, with local elections, with the national uh, scene, what is it that you do? or plan on doing um, during this, you know, I mean, everything kind of kicks off here locally next week or week after next. I'm sorry. So what are the, what are some of the things that you're going to actually be doing? Are you working with any particular candidates? Are you doing any door knocking? Uh, what, what's what's kind of your activity? Well, to be honest, to be honest, I'm passing out leaflets door to door by by the hundreds. I don't talk to people, but it's a simple leaflet about 17 year old voting and also about ranked choice voting, which is another obsession of mine. I think that's a, a better way to vote because look at the uh, uh, election for uh, mayors. Thirty-five percent of the people voted. About one third of the people voted. Yeah. Two thirds of the people didn't even vote, even though there were nine good candidates. There were many good candidates running, nine candidates, but uh, you only had one vote. One vote, and one vote cannot have an influence when there's nine candidates running. With ranked choice voting, you get five votes. Five votes. First choice vote. Second, third, fourth, fifth. So you have a better chance to influence the election with the five votes. You see, yeah, so, no, uh, that's I've been, a, um, I've been a, um, I guess I'll call it a keen observer of ranked choice voting because I get the, I get the psychology behind it. Um, and, and if you think about yeah. it, Michael, I'm, and you probably had this, had this type of a discussion with people that, that you, that you talk to, um, in your own life where you like, you have, you have, a, we, we're human. We have our favorite. We have our person that we think would be the best candidate. However, we also think yeah. that this person would be pretty doggone good as well. So there is a there is an um, there's credibility and understanding around ranked choice voting, and there's other um, areas that are using it now. Um, and so I'm sure you probably have a list of a list of uh, states or or certainly big cities in the country that are using ranked choice voting. And maybe the next time you call in, you can tell us who the top five cities are in the country that are currently using ranked choice voting. I'm sure you might have access to that information. I got that list right now. You want the top five right now? I got it. I've got my pen ready. Okay, here it is. Ranked choice voting is taking the big cities by by uh, storm. Uh, San Francisco is big, been doing it for many years, 10 years. San Francisco, Oakland, Portland, Oregon has it now. Seattle, Washington has voted in now. Minneapolis and St. Paul have it. And the big one is New York City has it. And go. New York City has it. And when they first used it in, uh, under about two years ago for their municipal election, they elected more women, more yeah. minority people of all kinds and any other uh, time in their elections. Life. Yeah, that and 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 I the the two that I knew about were San Francisco and New York City. I wasn't aware of Oakland, uh, Portland, Seattle, and Minneapolis. And ironically, and Evanston, Illinois. And Evanston, Evanston, Illinois. Illinois yeah. Hey, Michael. What's interesting yeah. about about this too is that 
when it ranked choice voting is about participating. It's about having your voice heard. It's about making sure that everybody is involved and the candidates that are running. It's about making sure that they actually do a little bit better job of reaching out to the entire uh, base of voters, not their just their just their side, but all the people that would be voting. And the ironic thing about this is that these six cities that you listed are all progressive cities. How about that? Isn't that something? Exactly. Isn't that something? Yeah. So, Michael, um, I tell you, it's always great to have you call in. And I, and I, and I love that you have this passion because, um, as I've said before, I know a lot, but I don't know everything. I didn't know the top six cities. Um, and um, you're putting out, you're put, passing so out leaflets. States. What's that? Two states, the whole state of Maine and the whole state of Alaska, all the elected officials are on ranked choice voting. In the cities, they can only do it for their municipals, the mayor and the aldermen. But uh, Maine and Alaska is on ranked choice voting, and pretty soon Nevada will be. They need two votes. They got the first vote. You know, they're going to have a second uh, the citizen vote, and then Nevada will be on ranked choice voting. So last now, last, I, last question before I let you go. Um, with regard to, um, there's are these just in, is this, I'm sorry, what, um, the, my question is, in Maine, Alaska, and, and soon to be Nevada, are those for their federal elections also? For example, their state, uh, their, I mean, their, their uh, congressional seats yes. and their Senate seats? Absolutely, for yeah. everything, every elected position okay. that's very comprehensive, you know. Yeah. So they're really advanced. Uh, Can I say one, uh, one last thing uh, on, on this early voting thing that I didn't mention before? Uh, there, it starts, of course, March 4th and goes on to March 19th. 19th. But there are, three, there are three locations where colleges will be able to vote at three locations of Board of Election Commissioners take their employees to the colleges, and they can vote from March 12th to March 14th, just three days, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Here are the three locations. Chicago State University, 9501 South King Drive, Northeastern Illinois University, 5500 North St. Louis, University of Chicago, Reynolds Club, 1131 East 57th Street. From March 12th to March 14th, they have you, the kids can register to vote and vote there. Absolutely. See those three locations. Michael, thank yeah. you. I wrote everything down, and I know we'll talk about this again. i got to hit this break. The number is 773-763-9278, and Choose Views will be right back. Welcome back to Choose Views with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. Hey, guys, we're back. Um, I see your calls out there. We will get to you. So stay with us. Uh, I've got a couple of clips I got to lean into, and then we're going to hit this next top of the hour break. So hang in there. Those who are holding on the line right now. Uh, Alex, let's go ahead and grab that uh, uh, VP Harris clip. The decision by the court in Alabama is shocking. And at the same time, post the job decision, not surprising. I talked about it from the beginning when the DOP decision came down, that we were looking at what potentially would be the beginning of the erosion of so many fundamental rights, in particular around reproductive freedom. And we knew that IVF was always very much on the table 
And so what we have seen in Alabama is shorn up. Um, it has now been attacked, and the access to reproductive health care through IVF is being taken from countless individuals and families. And this is about an individual's right, but it also affects entire families. And the irony of it all is that on the one hand, these proponents are, are suggesting that a woman does not have the right to end an unwanted pregnancy. And on the other hand, does not have the right to become pregnant if that is her choice and her desire and her dream. So I think that everyone should understand we each have a responsibility and the ability to change this trajectory. And elections matter. President Biden has been very clear. If Congress puts back in place the rights that the court took away, that which means putting back in place the protections of Roe v. Wade, Joe Biden will sign it. So I'm leaning in, staying a little bit on point with uh, talking about Vice President Harris and her strength. Um, Not one. uh, What she said is all about making sure that women's rights, reproductive rights and rights in general are protected. President Biden will sign the bill. That's why voting matters in this election more than ever. The getting getting uh, the House of Representatives back is important. We have to flip the House back. And we most definitely have to protect the Senate. Good words are going to come out of my mouth every show. But here's what I also want to add to this. In doing a little bit of research, um, th- this, is a, this is a little bit of a, a moment of sarcasm. We can see how much the Alabama um, Supreme Court stepped on its own um, big toe with this because of the way in which other Republicans are uh, tiptoeing around it. And some are trying to say that, you know, they are for this ruling and there are some that are trying to say that they're not for it or somewhere in the middle. But it's definitely created some drama, rightfully so, for Republicans. And I was I was thinking about this over the weekend and it kind of struck me as odd. And I was cautioned to say this the right way. But, you know, when we talk about um, citizenship or human uh, uh, rights and, and, and what's human, what's a human being, um, you know, scientifically I lean in that direction rather than to what the religious heads want to try to take us, what the path they want to try to take us down. But there was a time where folks that looked like me were considered three, we were living outside of the wombs of which we were, uh, gestation that we, the gestation period took place in. We were viewed as three fifths of a, of a human being. Some of y'all may not remember that or even have known about that. So I'll let you do your own research. It's complicated. It's long. But we were viewed as three-fifths of a human being outside of the womb. But an embryo is viewed as a child. So I was cautioned to say that carefully, and I'm doing my best to, 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 to heed that caution. But what about the breadth of life? Okay, and many people are leaning are, are referencing this the subject in in those terms. So now let's talk about the economic part of this, uh, or the economic surrounding IVF. The cost on a national average is between twelve and fourteen thousand dollars per session. It's higher in some areas just based on the economies of the, that geographical area. Um. And the the average so the average is twelve to fourteen thousand dollars. 
It's as high as $22,000 in some parts of the country. But here's the real kicker. Households that have $100,000 plus in household income are two times more likely to use and, and to be able to afford the IVF procedure than those who make less than or have a household income less than $100,000. And that's coming from the National, Institute, National Institutes of Health and Fertility Q. So I try to, when I, when I state something like this, I try to have some backing, some detail, some, some source where I was able to find a little bit more information than I have in my own head and research. The point of all this is that this conversation does have an economic component to it. And I think that based on the voices that I'm hearing and the, and the, the clips that I'm watching, it's coming from people on the right who recognize that the, the ability to pay for it is a certain segment of the community. And, and when, we, when they do these heat maps of the voters in relationship to certain issues, the heat, map, the heat maps are always interesting when you look at the issues of reproductive rights. And what I mean by that is the overlay is since Dobbs to, President, to Vice President Harris's commentary, since Dobbs, we've seen an increase in the heat map measurement of the Dobbs decision and women's health care and women's reproductive rights increase in non-urban areas, i.e. suburbs and rural areas. And that's because it's become more and more clear that this is an issue that impacts more than just um, the people who want to say that that women women's uh, access to reproductive rights is somehow not in should not be in their hands. Another way of putting it is more women are recognizing no matter where they live, suburban, urban, rural that they need to have the ability to have choice. And this IVF decision is pushing the envelope again to show just what Vice President Harris said would happen. And she did go on the record right after Dobbs to say what's next is is very probably IVF. And I remember watching, and you guys should should play the tape. I remember watching then um, nominee uh, Amy Coney Barrett not answering the question from um, it wasn't Sheldon Whitehouse, um, but one of the senators during the confirmation that he asked her a question specifically. He had been watching her mannerisms of not answering questions and saying that she couldn't answer in the hypothetical. He did everything he could because uh, he's an attorney as well. I, mean, God, I can't think of his name to kind of get this in the lane where she would have to answer a question, the question on IVF. And she tap danced around it, tap danced around it, tap danced around it. Kept going back to, I can't answer in the hypothetical, blah, 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 blah. So many of the folks that were there saw then that this was going to be on the table, on the chopping block. And now here we are. So when someone tells you that you're standing on their foot, you might want to pay attention. Because the, 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 the bell was rung when Dobbs was taken. But the questions that were asked of Supreme Court nominees, people should have paid more attention to. And I'm going to do a little bit of revisionist finger pointing before we go to break. The people that sat on their hands, the people who could not get past certain things and decided to not vote, vote for Trump, 
or vote for a third party candidate in the 2016 election and you couldn't get your um, proud self to vote for Hillary Clinton, this is what we have. Because Trump nominated and successfully got three members on the Supreme Court. And now the lower courts took their marching orders from Dobbs. And here's where we are with IVF. So we can be upset about the decision of this justice who's part of this group called the Seven Mountains Mandate, which I'll get into a little bit more tomorrow. But there are a lot of people who were too proud to vote for Hillary Clinton. And a lot of them were women. And now, unfortunately, yeah, I said I was finger pointing, so don't be upset. Now we've got this decision, which is impacting families. So folks need to pay attention and be aware that your vote does matter. And we're going to go to break. Number 773-763-9278. We'll be right back. You're listening to Choose View with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. Hey, guys, welcome back. Um, long break there, but at the top of the hour, we have to hit those um, and, and hit them with some accuracy. So listen, we got we our lines are full, so we got to grab calls because I don't want you guys to have to hold any longer. Let's go to Jim here in Chicago. Good morning, Jim. How are you doing? What's Good going morning. on? Good morning, Rich. I'm disappointed that my two favorites for vice president were Mike Lindell <laughs> and then Rudy Ju. <laughs> Rudy Giuliani was my other one. I was disappointed they weren't on there. But whoever it is has to be a vehement election denier. They have to say that the election was actually won by Trump. And when the press, who tries to normalize the candidate, FDS vice president nominee, whoever it is, did Trump win or did Trump lose? You know, I didn't think about that. Jim, you're right. You're right. It's got to be somebody that says that. That 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 he, he he actually won. He actually won the election. Oh yeah. And then in the in the sixty court cases that uh, that he that he blew in uh, all over the country uh, were those uh, just the uh, Democratic judges that were against him or whatever the case, whatever crazy case yeah. may be. Yeah. But the the, the other thing is uh, he. Uh, I mean, if he isn't the most bizarre candidate in American history, I don't know who is. I mean, I, I in mean, our I lifetime, in, in I mean, our lifetime, he's yeah, the most bizarre candidate. Yeah, he's the most bizarre candidate of all time. I think of all time anywhere on the earth. But uh, I, 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 I can't see him winning the, this election. But you still have to vote. You're absolutely right, Rich. And your program is great. You, we just got to get out and vote. Like Michael said, you know, we got to get out and vote because. Uh, uh, you know, we don't have any choice. Angel. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 yeah. Go yeah. ahead. I'm sorry. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I'm I, sorry. You I, go ahead. Rich. I gotta, br- I gotta bring you, know, you and, and Michael together because you guys are my my uh, my 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 old heads that that been doing this for a long time, and you understand the yeah. importance of it. And and I and we we joke about it. and We have fun as we should. But you guys been doing this for a minute, and you and you understand that you know for you to say something like that in our in our lifetime. Um, there's some credibility behind your statement because you've been here for a minute, and yeah, this is this is a you know the phrases of that are used, and this is the most important election. We get that they're all going to be that way for a long time until we right the ship, and this is the first big tacking of the boat. Is we've got to right the ship right now by making sure we bury this dude with a large turnout of voters across the country 
in all states and let the Electoral College, it's going to do its thing. But let's just get it done. I mean, we don't have a choice. So. You're exactly right, Rich. Anyway, have a good morning, Bill. Have a good morning. Thanks, Jim. I appreciate it. it. Stay safe today. All right, let's, uh, uh, Henry, uh, sorry, I called you Henry. Alex, let's go to John real quick. Sorry about that, man. Hey, good morning, John. Welcome to Choose Views. What's happening? Good morning, Richard. Yeah. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Absolutely. Yeah, um, I want to I wanna talk about how Trump mismanaged the uh, COVID-19. <laughs> um, okay. Come on, Johnny um, did a great so job, I'm, I'm man. Gonna go into, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go into step by step so your listeners could follow it. So whenever they approach a uh, Trump supporter, you can bring it up. Okay. About how he managed it. Okay. So when did he when, when did he know about the COVID nineteen? It was late in January of twenty twenty. Okay. okay. Uh, I'm a foreigner. Okay, I speak with an accent, so bear with me. So, uh, where's my source? Bob Woodward. He interviewed him uh, back in February. I think it was February seventh, twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Okay, and Trump bragged about it that oh yeah, this thing is going to hit America pretty soon, and it's contagious, deadly, and it's air airborne. So he knew about it. Yeah. Okay. Now move forward to March, late March of 2020, when the frontline workers they were pleading for gloves, mm-hmm. masks, ventilators. Okay. And what what did Trump say? Obama left me with an empty shelf, almost yep. an empty shelf. Sure okay. did. Uh, Obama, first of all, Obama did not leave him with an empty shelf. Secondly, even if he left him with an empty shelf, Obama left office in 2017. That was three years ago. <laughs> but did the administration take any annual inventory of the stockpile? <laughs> right? Oh, okay. John, you're killing me, man. <laughs> okay, yeah. So somebody dropped the ball over here. Hey, man, and I blame l- it on Obama. Listen, l- l- okay. l- let me let me add to you a little bit, um, and I'm going to have you call sure. back only because we all of our lines are full, and I want to get make sure I get everybody in today. But let me let me walk, let me partner sure. with you on this because I'm, I I appreciate where you're going. I have said this on the yeah. family meeting. I've said this on every time I've had a chance to say it, and I'll say it now with my new friend John. Um, if Donald Trump had come out and from the jump and said, "Look, y'all, this thing is dangerous. It's deadly. It's coming our way, and we're going to do everything in our power to protect you from it." to make sure you're safe. We may have to stay home for a couple of months to get this thing right. If he had had the courage and the honesty and the foresight to see and act that way, I'm going to say this, and I've said it before, he may very well have gotten reelected if he had managed COVID the right way. Because it's a, because a lot of people would have said, okay, he's got my back. I'm going, and a lot of independents would have probably said, you know what? Vote for him. Yeah. I'm going to vote for him because he, a lot of people didn't vote for him because of that Bob Woodward. I got to believe because of that Bob Woodward tape. Uh, they may not have said it. They may, have been, may not have been sitting around the, the kitchen table or sitting around the, um, the you know, the, the office uh, conference room table and saying what they were going to do, but they were thinking, you mean to tell me I had to sit at home? We had all these people die. 
and all this other craziness that we went through. And this dude actually said it and it was recorded and he knew how bad it was. <laughs> oh, hell no. I'm not voting yeah. for him. I bet you a dollar, oh, John. Okay. So anyhow, that, oh, that, can, can I add one more thing? One more it? thing. Go Real ahead. Quick. Okay. Okay. So how do you test your leadership? It's by how well he or she managed a crisis. Mm-hmm. I think Trump, in this case here, he dropped the ball. He dropped the ball bigly. Okay, that's what I wanted to say. <laughs> so for your listeners, that's how you judge, okay? When you go to the poll in, in November, think about, would you want this guy to be managing a crisis again? Think about it, okay? That's all I have to say. John, thank you so much for calling, and have a great day. Call us back. Have a good you one, too. John. All right, thanks. Okay, bye. He's spot on, you guys. Um, Alex is busy handling the calls right now. So um, we're going to drop John and then we're going to uh, grab a few others. But um, we um, we have to realize what John said is so powerfully true and accurate. Um, and my add on, which is if Trump had managed COVID uh, properly, he may have gotten reelected. Um and he didn't. And there was a tape saying that he knew. So everything else that anybody says on the left, right or in the middle is all malarkey. He knew he had an opportunity to deal, do something about it differently, and he chose to lie to the American people and, frankly, the world. And I think the world navigated its, its care according to what the U.S. did. But anyhow, uh, let's, go to, uh, let's go to Big R here. Um, hey, Big R, thanks for holding, man. It's crazy busy morning. I heard I see you got some commentary that we need to hear. Yes, uh, you so have you always have a crazy busy morning. You're the busiest man in show business, man. <laughs> What's going on, big uh, We'll talk. Well, well. First of all, let me say it did my heart good. It gave me a little measure of hope uh, when that woman donated that billion dollars to get these uh, help these uh, young young people. Yeah, man. And maybe not so young people, you know, pay for their tuition to be doctors and whatnot. That was beautiful. Because we need more that. We need we, we, do that kind of thing. We need more doctors. We need more smart people going to medical school and and getting the education to help us with this ever growing technology and and medical care. And yeah, I mean, how cool of Miss Godwin to do that, right? Yeah, that, that's part of it. And also, people don't realize the devastation. Of the, of the medical uh, establishment that happened during the pandemic. We lost people from COVID Thank you. who were in that field. And a lot of people just got worn out from it yep. and uh, retired or, yep. or quit. Yep. And to John, just like John just out. said, the previous caller just said that, you know, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, that's, that's, that's honorable of you to come back to recognize what Miss Gottesman did. Um, I mean, people, she, does she get a medal for doing this? No, but what she does, she she should get mm-hmm. her flowers and recognition for this because uh, she didn't have to do it. She chose to do it, and I think it's just, it's more of that needs to happen. So, Big Art, thank you for all. Uh, I'm, I'm curious. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, I'm curious about what, what her political affiliation is. It's not all important, but I'm just curious about what her political affiliation is. I would love to find out that she's a lifelong Republican. She's a Republican <laughs> with a heart and a conscience. Yep. And a moral compass. There it is. I'm okay, just, uh, to, to the, the vice president thing. Nikki Haley, <laughs> she, she she might as well say that uh, Chris Christie or uh, uh, um, Liz Cheney are going to be nominated to with, to go along with Trump for vice president. It's not going to happen. Nikki Haley's <laughs> poking uh, Mr. Trump and, and the Republican Party in the eye. She's he, just poking him in the eye. Yes, yeah, she and is, man. It's just not gonna, I would love to see her, after all this is said and done, forget about this Republican Party and just say, you know what? 
y'all not my Republican Party anymore. Yes, you stand for nothing but chaos and nonsense, lies. I'm going over to the Democrats. I saw that said I yesterday. Her with open, I would welcome her with open arms, but she would have to, of course, you know, review and, and you know, bring down some of her views on certain things. You mean like go back to school um, but, on what, what, what was the cause yeah, of the start of the Civil War? For, for America. <laughs> it's important for America. Uh, she's made some mistakes, you know, in the past, being a Republican and trying to toe the Republican line, you know, not taking money for for, for Medicaid in yeah. her, in her uh, state of South Carolina. Those kind of, and we all make mistakes, especially in politics. They always make mistakes. Of course, Donald Trump, he's never said or done anything wrong in his life, but nope. that's another it's a discussion. Call. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, as far as the Michigan vote today, I understand the uncommitted. I, I get it. It's a political statement because of what's been going on. Uh, and I feel their pain. I really do. Um, I think it's just a political statement. But I think when it's all said and done in the general election, they know where their bread is buttered. Yeah. They know where, where, where their bread is buttered. It's not with the Republican Party. It's definitely not with Trump. I, I think it's all all a bunch of hoopla and advertising. Everybody's making a lot of money. Trump should be in jail by the time we even get this vote going. He probably won't because of the politics and the nonsense in America. He should be in a jail cell. He should be totally disqualified from even, even if he's nominated uh, uh, for for to, for the Republican uh, ticket. He should not even be allowed to run. Yeah, president I know. Again, it's because of his crimes, it, it his is. high misde- misdemeanors, his crimes. Yeah. This is just inconceivable to me. Inconceivable to me here in 2024. Uh, I've lived 65 years and I've been voting since I was 18. And I haven't always voted right. And I voted Republican a couple of times over the years because I was kind of not as mature and informed as I am now and know what the real deal is. But it, it's, it's conceivable to me that you have all these people backing this man the way they are. You got to yeah. know the truth about it all. There must be some financial stake in it for him. What a lot of what a lot of backlash from the magus. You know, a lot of it though, Big R. And thank you so much for calling because we're going to hit this break. Um, So much of what it is, and and I I caution people for over clutching their pearls. Um, Eric and I have talked about this on the family meeting for years. It's who the country really is, and until we deal with that, we're going to keep you know wash, rinse, and repeat. So we're going to take a quick break. The number is seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. See you guys out there on hold. We will get to you after this break. You're listening to Choose View with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. Hey, guys, I see everybody that's on hold. Our lines are full up this morning, so we want to make sure we uh, give everybody a little bit of an opportunity. Um, hey, um, let's go to John from Chicago. Good morning, John. Welcome to Choose Views. What's on your mind today? Good morning. Uh, we're talking about women's reproductive rights. I think people need to realize that God gave everybody free will, and we shouldn't judge anybody for how they use their free will. Uh, and I don't think uh, people judge a woman if she ends the life of a ba- unborn baby, but uh, I think women need to realize that's exactly what you're doing. You're ending the life of an unborn baby. Now, you're not judged except the God to judge. I'm sure it's a very emotional thing. Um, I just don't believe the government should pay for it. If someone wants to end the life of a baby, they end the life of a baby. That's between them and their God. Um, I don't believe myself that um, it's not a life. I believe it is a life. If you see a pregnant woman, you don't want her doing cocaine or smoking or drinking because there's a baby in there. 
So I think people need to realize it is a life in there, and it's a very tough choice when women. That's why it's such a tough choice and emotional for women, because it's. I know people who've had abortions, and it stays with them because they realize what they did was wrong, and they end up the life of a baby. But God forgives and will understand because he knows they they were going through a stressful time. I don't know if I, I, I first of all, thanks for calling in, John. Um, I don't know if I would say that it's wrong, um, but I understand where you're coming from in, in that context. So I'm not here to challenge you on that. Um, I think that what we have to recognize is that um, if we're going to keep the government out, then that means in all phases of it. And I think that that means we also have to recognize that if we as guys want to try to lean into this and don't know what the hell it's like to carry a baby in the first place, then we have to be willing to recognize that the person that's carrying the baby probably has a little bit more, a slight edge on understanding what this is, what this is doing to her or what this may cause her. And as a guy, one of the things that I've learned and made really doggone certain of is that I don't try to tell any woman how to feel about anything when it comes to her, I'll call it her mechanics, her system, how her engine's running. And I don't think any government should be able to do that either, irrespective of where I someone... Agree, where but someone, I don't think the government should pay for it either. Well, the government isn't paying for it. And, 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 and I'm going to press pause on that. I don't think that that it should matter. I think what should matter is that the choice should be there because we're not we get into the weeds on, well, the government shouldn't pay for it. And we shouldn't. Okay, well, that the government shouldn't pay for it. If that's the direction we're going to go on this, then the government should stay out of it completely. And it should be a a decision. Then the conversation about the government paying for it isn't part of the conversation. It's a choice between a woman. I think one point. But but, but, let me let me let me. One point one point you're missing, though, is that. What we're arguing about, though, is when life begins. No, and no, no. Time out. It is a life. Time out. I'm not arguing about that. I'm not arguing that point. I'm arguing the point that it's a woman's choice and we need to stay the hell out of it as guys and the government. That's all I'm arguing. I am not one to say I am for or against abortion. I'm for a woman's right to choose. I'm going to be perfectly clear about that. And, and I say that to you as two guys hashing it out and chopping it up. I am totally 100% in the car for a woman's right to choose, and men need to shut the hell up about it, and so does the government. I'm not trying to debate when life begins. and I, I'm not trying. That's not the, it doesn't matter. It's a woman's right to choose because we as dudes ain't carrying the baby, and we need to stay the hell out of it, period. Dudes, shut up on this. Take, some, take a word of advice from me on this, men. Shut the hell up on this conversation. This is one women need to be de- de- determining with their doctor. That's the problem. Too many men are leaning into this thinking that they know what it's like to carry a baby. No, you do not. So, John, respectfully, I'm with you, but I have to break off from you and go down the other road when it comes to when life begins and all that. That's not, I'm not trying to get in that conversation. Women need to have the right to choose without the government or men involved in that, in that conversation. So that's where I sit on it, John. Realized COVID began underneath. Um, you still there? You still oh yeah, there? no, no, we're still here. We still got you for another second. Okay. Oh, COVID began uh, under President Trump, and when he began it, um, he was called a racist for calling it the Chinese virus. But ninety percent of COVID happened under Biden. Was managed under Biden. The mismanagement came under Joe Biden. 
Um, and if we were like today, COVID didn't go away. All of a sudden, we totally forgot about it when the Ukraine crisis happened. No, we didn't. Still out there. No, we didn't. I'm gonna call, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, the, the CDC is changing their guidelines, which people on the right have been asking for. So don't go down this road with me on this. I will pull you back. This was mismanaged by Donald Trump from the jump, and it's documented. Did President Biden handle it perfectly? No, he did not. Those words are coming out of my mouth. He didn't handle it perfectly. So I ask anybody, you tell me how much better you would have handled it if you were sitting in either of their chairs. But I will say this. I sure as hell wouldn't have lied about it to the American people on tape like Donald Trump did. And I would have been more vigilant, even more so than President Biden was in some of the things that he misstepped on. It was mismanaged. But at the end of the day, the Biden administration moved forward faster than the Trump administration did. That is a fact. That's not my opinion. He caught hell for some of the things that he did. But the fact that the President Biden did not lie about it on tape. Come on, John. I'm sorry that, that, that I, you guys know me. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to give you your space to talk. But when you step on my toe about something that's factually not correct, I'm going to I'm going to get you off my foot. And the truth of the matter is. Donald Trump lied about it on tape. Okay, let that settle in again. And he had access. And I think it was that I forgot who was it that called earlier that said uh, it was John, um, um, a different John, that he had access to all these tools. And he pressed pause on, on unleashing the power of the federal government to help with this uh, being um, um, handled better. He just did. And even even people of his of his administration and his staff, you know, were like, well, you know, we're going to make sure that certain states have equipment quicker than others. There was nobody in the Biden administration saying, well, we're going to make sure the red states get onto the bottom of the list. He was trying to help everybody. So listen, y'all, you, you know, I will be balanced on certain things. I'll be fair all the time. But don't bring any mess here when it comes to the things that one did versus the other. And I'm not saying President Biden handled COVID 100 percent accurately and on time and right. But he did not lie on tape about what he knew about it. And so it starts and ends there for me when it comes to the, the, the handling of COVID. And I will tell you that when it came down to vaccines and making sure that people were getting vaccinated and that we were moving as fast as uh, moving as moving forward as fast as we could. Um, the Biden administration stepped up. They did. They had no choice. So don't get me wrong. They did their job. No medals awarded for doing the job. But the president, the newly elected president did not lie about it. OK, so. That's, you know, just how I see it, because that's what actually happened. OK. And, um, you know, listen, listen, if you're if you if you're leaning, I would rather when you call into to our show, if you're leaning right on a subject or who you support, just say it. Don't don't pity pat around with it, because I've got I've got a very strong BS detector. I can see through when someone's trying to slide in comments about I'm 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 leaning right. I'm fine with that. Just say it. <laughs> I got big shoulders. I can handle it. And so can our listeners. But what I'm not going to let you do to our listeners is come on and talk about something that's not factually right. So that listeners have to hear that without me checking you. Just kind of how I roll, guys. So don't want to be, um, you know, 
Don't want to upset anybody, but there we are. So listen, we're going to hit a quick break. We've got more folks. Somebody, I must have, I must have upset some people this morning. But listen, the number is 773-763-9278. This is Choose Views, and we'll be right back. It's Choose View with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, where facts matter. Hey guys, welcome back. Um, it's been a spicy morning. I had a number of things that I wanted to cover, but we'll get to those tomorrow and the next day uh, because it's more important for me to take you guys as callers, and we still have full lines. So let's go. Uh, um, let's go to Dave and Hoffman Estates. Hey, good morning, Dave. How are you? Good. Good morning, Richard. Yeah, and um, a couple of things. I'm locked up with you about the women. You know, yeah, well, Dave the and. Uh, on the last one, talking about with the COVID, then my, I'm John, a senior moment right now in that box, and two uh, writers that did that book. In fact, the one from the, uh, from the uh, one. Uh, wasn't one of them, I think if we're thinking of the same people, wasn't one of them the lady from, the woman from the New York Times? Um, uh, what's her name? Um, not Haberman or whatever. No, the other one I'm thinking about was the guy that's the, him and his partner were the famous ones with, uh, you know, where they oh, Woodward what, 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 what and Bernstein. Woodward. Yeah. Yeah. And I, him and then the guy that partnered with them, and they did that book. And uh, I believe Woodward had, had had interviewed Trump. Yeah. And Trump had said that it was dangerous already. So yeah. Yeah. I fought him then too as much too that. How many people got planted in the ground because of their silence that they didn't want to give up their scoop of the story, you know, for your book. Yeah, there were a lot of people because I, I, th- that book sold a whole bunch of copies. But there were a lot of people when it first came out, they were like, what the hell? You you had a social responsibility. You still would have sold a ton of books, but you had a social responsibility to let everybody know early on that this that you had this interview with him. And I know that he tried to say that with journalistic prudence and blah blah blah, he didn't feel it was okay. Whatever. But I, I I'm with you. I'm in the camp with you on that. That maybe he should have. Um, you know, got the legal protection around him that he needed, and then dropped that dime quicker than he did. Yeah, I mean, it just, uh, I don't know if he's ever thought about that, because it was just for a few pieces of silver more, you know, that he kept quiet. Yeah. And how, how many, a million, million and a half got buried because of that? Well, you I know? mean, and, and, and that's, this is where you go, you ask, you ask the question, okay, um, it's always the uh, not to ask the question, you make the same, it's always the right time to do the right thing, to, to paraphrase Dr. King, late Dr. King. Um, because the right thing to do would have been to say, all right, we got to figure out how to, how to, how to run on both rails. We want to release this book. It's, we want it to be a success. I get that. But at the same time, we do kind of have a responsibility to my other, uh, uh, you know, other citizens, um, to let them know that this thing is real and that the, that the president of the United States said it on tape to me and I need to figure out how to get this out. And I don't, I don't know. And we weren't there and I'm trying to give him some favor, but the point that we all should be making from this ultimately, irrespective of Woodward's timing is that Donald Trump knew he's the elected. He was the elected official. He knew cause he said the words, which makes you question. And a good friend of mine, um, we had this conversation early on in the, in the crisis, um, that, that they knew that the centers for disease control knew in December of 2019, 
there's there's some data out there that's that's not just talk that there's factual data so you know damn well that 45 knew and he said it yeah so, <laughs> anyhow man you doing good dave i was gonna ask you about that you know with all these other with his legal troubles and all of that did that the supreme court because you mentioned about supreme court early on mm-hmm. did they ever make that ruling about colorado and stuff like that if they could keep him on the ballot it's still out there i don't think they have a final have a final ruling yet um but let's look into that and see what we can find out in the next couple of days. Yeah, because they got to uh, they got to make that ruling before March fifth, because that's when Colorado has their primary. I know. And and I read that uh, what I'm getting to is the fact that uh, if they don't allow them on the things, that would nullify uh, the military votes. Yeah, I know. From. The, down, okay. the downside of this is, and as I've said before, I I, I hope they let them let them be on the ballot. So it's a win. It's a it's a win. It's unquestionable win. Let it be on the ballot because let's be honest. Somebody in another state could say that they want Joe Biden off the ballot in a in a red state. So we got to be. I, I get the 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 whole part of this with Colorado, but I think let the dude be on the ballot. Let people vote for him because I don't want down ticket va- uh, voters who won't vote for Trump that would vote for the senators in a certain state to say, well, I'm not going to show up at all because that could have, that could be some blowback on, on democratic candidates. And a lot of people got to think that part through strategically. So I want Colorado, I want the Supreme Supreme court to say he gets to be on the ballot. Just kind of yeah, strategic. Uh, back in 2020, you know, with Colorado alone, they had like 42,000 voted. And of the 42,000, 15,000 were, Military community. Don't we have what, two, then, ba- two or three bases there, two for sure that I know of? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Hey Dave, we got to we got to jump, man. Right. I'm trying to get a few other folks in before the end of the uh, end of the show. But thanks for yeah. calling in, man, and have a great day today. Right. Thanks, Dave. Didn't want to cut him off, but I, I want to try to squeeze in folks. Let's uh, let's hit Paul from Seattle real quick before we uh, this break. Hey Paul, what's going up and going on in the Northwest today? Yeah, it was uh, snowing last night, but I think it's <laughs> I think it's coming your way. It is. That's it only, last, yeah. it only lasted an hour, so uh, no, I got I got You were circling around an important point, Richard, uh, and this is kind of also for the previous caller, John. I have to bring you in here because you were right there. You were right there, but so when you said that there was once a, there was a time when people who looked like you were viewed. As three okay. fifths of a person. All right. Okay. Come on. Then, uh, you, you, can more, clean, you can clean that up for me. <laughs> more accurately, there was a time when people who looked like you, not all, but most people, were counted by the Constitution for purposes of representation in Congress. Yes. You see that? So three fifths oh. of because there were people like who looked like you who were also counted as free persons, but most. Right. Were well, what we call slaves, but they were not mentioned. They were not called slaves. So we, this decision, this IVF decision, if a if frozen embryo is, a, is our children, they and are they, they're persons, and that means we have to count them because the Constitution now says we count all persons. Mm-hmm. Even, yeah, we have to count them. So, I mean, all these fertility clinics got to start counting. How many, how many thousands of uh, you got in here? <laughs> these need to be counted. And these are all in Democratic areas, so, but this is going to be a boon for Democrats. Um, more representation because we can 
See, this is the problem, and for the for the previous caller, John, also. No, you're, you're absolutely right, Richard. It, it, the, the question, the argument is not, when does life begin? That's not the constitutional question. It doesn't matter. Nope. First of all, life is continuous. Life is con- how, how we got here from three million years ago is because sperm are human life, and so are ovum human life. They both have 23 chromosomes. And what goes out with the feminine napkins or the condoms, uh, that's human life. Sorry, bud, but it is. There it is. So, you, you, you don't get to say, oh, but when they come together, that's what I'm talking about. That's you defining it, John. Uh, so constitutionally, the same thing is. It's the question is, so the, the 14th Amendment says clearly, Section 1, you see, you have to be born to have rights in the state where you live and therefore constitutional rights. See, a frozen embryo or a fetus, they have the same problem that Dred Scott had. No standing, no rights. Yeah. They're not born. See, Dred Scott... A lot of people think that, oh, uh, and you hear conservatives say, oh, the Dred Scott decision was the worst ruling ever. And I always say, why? What did, what did Chief Justice Taney rule that was wrong? See, it wasn't, yeah, Chief Justice Taney was a racist and he was a slaveholder, but he was also a constitutional scholar. He was a Chief Justice of the Court. What the, it, the problem was with the Constitution, not his dicta, which was offensive in saying, you know, that the black man has no rights, that the white man is bound to respect. The problem was, his ruling was that that at the time, Dred Scott, he wasn't a citizen, so he he had no standing to bring a case to the Supreme a diversity case, which is a case between citizens of two different states yep. to the Supreme Court. And so, yeah, the the result was, yeah, you're still property. But by the way, the Thirteenth Amendment does not prohibit people from being property; it just prevents them from being enslaved. Enslaved, yeah. So, so these embryos, technically, and they are property. <laughs> they are property. So, which leans back to what you said about the counting mechanism. I mean, yes. Listen, I I, I have to say a couple of things. One, um, the I, I was being very careful in, in how I presented that for a couple of reasons. I was I was very very appropriately uh, uh, not warned, but just counseled on just be careful in how you lean into this one. And I and I I had to be sort of you know a little bit um, uh, careful with the wording that I used. But I appreciate you cleaning up the part about the, the technical legal definition of the three fifths rule. So thank you on that. The other thing, well, we we have to we have to be there. We have to be there before the courts. People have to be more aware of it because the courts are seeming to abandon this guy and this chief justice in Alabama. Not only did he abandon constitutional principles, he abandoned theological. He said people people exist before they're born. Before they're born, and that's, like, well, that was my thing. The only the only one I know of is uh, the Nicene Creed says that Christ Jesus was eternally begotten. That's the only one I know who existed before he was born. That's why but I lean into he, the whole thing like, about breath of life because I mean in, in the Christian yeah. in the in the Christian conversation, and you know again yep. I'm not I'm not trying to to, to confront different religions of a view of when. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just saying the Christian uh, support of this contradicts the Christian belief in this because of yep. breath of life. Now, Genesis two seven. Yep, Genesis two seven says that God breathed the breath of life into the nostrils of a man, and he lived after the breath. So you bingo. had to breathe. You have to breathe one breath of life. This is what I was going over with my cousin yesterday, and I, he asked me, "Well, when does life begin?" I said, "Come on." You got a biology degree too. What are, <laughs> what are you asking me? I said. I said. Look, it's when you breathe. And so the the one thing that no fetus has done, no embryo has done, no fetus has done that every person that you have ever known has done is breathed at least 
one breath. And if you're basing you your to. and if you're basing your uh, your your yep. ideology on it from a from the perspective that many of the Christian right have tried to. That's right. Then you're contradicting your own belief system, and that's where guys like Paul, who are well read, can lean into this and, and 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 make your head spin. Hey, man, I got two things to say. One, thank you for calling in, and you know I got to jump because we got breaks coming okay. up in a second. All right, man. But, but thanks yeah, Paul, for calling in. Thanks for the education. Listen, yes, at, what, what Paul just what, what Paul just uh, brought to us is once again the facts, the details, the the the, the medical, the the biblical, the social parts of all of this, and the constitutional parts of this. That's why progressives have great have great followers. We are great followers of of knowledge and information. And as Eric Grant always says, and I love this about him, the propensity to be intellectually curious. Um. That that means a lot to me. That's a that's a phrase that to be to be uh, 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 totally honest, um, Eric owns that, and um, and it's one that more people should adopt to is being intellectually curious and be less concerned about which gang you're a part of. And if you choose to be part of a gang, that's cool. But be be curious about the topics that are important to us that are part of our permanent interest. Um, so there's a, there's one thing I want to make sure I'm really really clean and clear on. Um, I'm, I'm very adamant about something that shouldn't happen versus something that should happen. And that is dudes need to stay the hell out of the discussion about women's reproductive systems. Dudes need to stay the hell out of the conversation about the rights behind that and the legislation, the opinions, because for, we aren't carrying the child. And I hate it when, I mean, I, I, I have to be careful, but I'm always, I try to give a little bit of a preamble to say, I'm leaning in the direction of women rights and conversation, not guys and their opinions about it. Cause that's all we have is an opinion about it. Yes. If you're the father of the, of, if, if you're the one that is the, the, the sperm deliverer, that's all you are. You still need to take a second seat or the co-pilot seat to the decisions that women should have the choice to make about their bodies and their reproductive systems. I will always, always, always lean in that direction until somebody proves me wrong in another direction. But I, I doubt that it's going to happen. So listen, guys, we have a break coming up in a second. We're going to take it a little bit early because I still want to grab a few more calls before we wrap up. The number is 773-763-9278. This is Choose Views, and we will be right back. Every 40 seconds, a child is reported missing. That's 2,000 children every single day. It's a heart-wrenching reality that we can no longer ignore. Find the Children is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping find missing kids. You can be a part of their mission by donating your unwanted vehicle, running or not. Call 1-800-775-5622. We guarantee that you will receive the maximum tax deduction. We provide fast, free pickup with 24-hour response. Call 1-800-775-5622. Find the Children provides crucial resources to help find missing children and educational materials to teach kids how to recognize and avoid predators. Our recovery Programs have a proven track record of reuniting kids with their families. It's time to act. Donate your unwanted or unused car. Help us build a world where every child is safe. Pick up the phone and call 1-800-775-5622. Together, we can bring these kids home safely. This advertisement was paid for by Cars R Us and Find the Children. WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk, where facts matter. It's Choose Views with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, Chicago's Progressive Talk. 
Hey guys, we're back. Uh, thank you so much for all of you who have called in and those of you who are checking us out on uh, Facebook Live and, and all the rest. Um, yeah, spicy today, as it should be, because these are important topics. And, um, you know, my job, I believe my job is, that, as I understand it, is to make sure that I'm bringing conversation, bringing, com- bringing topics to the table so we can have a conversation around them. But at the end of the day, moving the ball forward. If we don't move the ball forward, then that to me is counterproductive because we're moving backwards. So um, I appreciate the calls. You guys know you're welcome here. Yeah, if you, yeah, I'm not looking for people to call in and agree with what I'm saying. I'm looking for people to call in to state how you feel and be prepared to talk about it. Because like uh, Alex and I were saying during the break, you know, we just because um, someone has an opinion about something doesn't mean that that opinion can't be challenged. So I appreciate you guys challenging my opinion and my observations about things. Um, that being said, uh, let's try to get a couple more calls in before we head out of here. Let's uh, go to Phil from the north side. Hey, Phil, good morning. Welcome to Choose Views. How are you? Good morning, Richard. How are you? Doing great, man. I got my little bit of coffee going, and Alex and I are chopping it up <laughs> during the break. So I'm a blessed man, and I am thankful to be here. <laughs> coffee is my favorite vegetable. <laughs> <laughs> what you got uh, listen, this morning? I real, quick, I, real quick, I want to commend you on your show. You're doing a great job. Uh, you're, I, I, I love your realism, you just, you, you, uh, as opposed to the, the, the people that have had your time slot before. You're on the mark, man. Thank I, you so I'm much. I appreciate the support. We all need to we need to vote in a landslide. Yep. We'll all the way down the ticket. So none, none of this, uh, well, you know, I don't want the Democrats to have that much control. <laughs> we need all the control. A lot of people skip out on, the, on the, you know, and, and, and vote uh, Republican uh, down, you know, down further on down the ticket with that in mind. And, and those days are over. So anyways, I want to hit on the COVID thing real quick. I was working downtown when that mess hit. Trump was president. Uh, I was on a big job site downtown. Mm-hmm. Uh, 97%, I would say about 97.9% of the workers, the tradesmen on that job, were full-blown MAGA cult. Um, it, it was in full swing then. And Trump not only mishandled that, he de- it was deliberate negligence. There are so many really, really smart people that say he could have taken a soft recession at that point. As you said, he could have shut things down. Let's get to the core of this problem. Let's see what we can do. Instead, he purposely ignored it because he knew he had an election coming up. He wanted to ignore it until he got elected. Who knows if he would have even done anything about it after he got elected. But I'm telling you, man, that's when I lost my faith in humanity, about a third of of our country's humanity, uh, when that thing hit. And and just, uh, I got to say, you know, people call in and try and defend Trump on that. They use bits and pieces uh, of what happened back then to try and, you know, and ignore the rest of the picture. What Woodward did was reprehensible, but at that point, Trump's cult was in such a groupthink mentality that I don't think it would have made a difference had had he released those tapes or not. Trump was so desperate, and things were so bad at that point, and people forget this. He assassinated uh, one of the officials in Iran, uh, Solomon. Yeah. If Solomon is, it was not a good guy, I'm not defending Solomon, 
But we do things like that covertly as, as a country. Trump bragged about it, and he literally tried to start a war with Iran and under the same guise that George W. Bush started a war with Iraq, the WMDs. He literally, if we didn't have Congress, mm-hmm. Congress had just recently flipped blue. If we didn't control Congress, Trump probably would have got us in another stupid war. It was it was the time. Def- it was a time where we 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 had again. You know, folks showed up in the midterms. That was a stem. That was a, that was a change in direction. It was huge, and we needed it. And uh, listen, I'm just, and, and 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 Phil, thanks for calling in because I'm going to try to grab uh, these last few calls. Um, the thing I want to say about this is, um, you know. Had Don, I'm repeating myself, so I, I want to be careful and respectful there. He had he had the ball in his hands. He could have handled this very differently, and he chose not to. He didn't accidentally not do it. He chose not to because he had information. And every now and again, it's important to do a little bit of revisionist review so that you can understand had what, you can learn from that. Okay. Um, if there's one thing I would I would say to, about w- w- one of Phil's comments is that. I don't think that it was about MAGA voters changing their mind had he come out differently about what was really going on, meaning Trump. I think it's the independents that their minds were significantly changed as it relates to how they voted. Because if you go back and look at the numbers, the raw numbers, that, that proved itself out. Because MAGA voters were actually, they actually, there were more people that voted for Trump in the 2020 election in 2016. So just data-based, what really made the difference is the independent voters who came out um, and I believe that they just were fed up. So, um, listen, guys, we're coming to the close of the show, but I, we're going to grab one more call. Um, and I don't want to miss this, so I'm going to say this, and then we'll come back get our call. Make sure you stay tuned for the Stephanie Miller Show, Tom Hartman, uh, Joan Esposito, and, of course, Patty Vasquez wrapping up our day. Um, it's been great hanging with you guys, but let's grab one more quick call. Roosevelt, what you doing? Why are you calling this morning? <laughs> Thank you for taking my call, Richard. How you doing? Good, man. How hey, are you doing? To you, hey, kudos to you, man, and that guy that called. Uh, listen, I want to add on to what you said about the mishandling of the COVID response. There's a, uh, I'm reading it right now, April 10th, okay? Um, uh, Trump said at least 15 times, political, um, that 15 times he praised China for the handling of COVID. Mm-hmm. And then he flipped it and said that they were responsible for COVID. Remember all that? Absolutely. He it and, he, and then he said the, the Wuhan flu and all that garbage. China and a flu. Lot of, and remember the increase in, yeah. in, um, in, in violent crimes that were taking place against members exactly. of our Asian community? Remember that? Because of his, 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 his rhetoric on that. And then let's not forget that his own people said it. Barbara Burks, remember yep. the lady that was sitting by that bench when he said, uh, uh, take shots of uh, bleach and, and fluorescent lights and all that stuff? Yep. She even mentioned it in her voice. She even said it in, in uh, after she, uh, you know, she's out of office, that she said that he was personally responsible for more than 400,000 that's people because got short, he never acted. Yeah, people, people got short memories. You know, they let their politics and their gang mentality get ahead of reality and some common sense. Um, and, and that's like I said, Roosevelt, I uh, would rather people listen. Everybody call our show. We want to talk to everybody. Seriously. 
um, if you're if you're not on point, not with what I say, but what the facts say, we're going to have a conversation. It's going to be a little bit warmer than uh, the 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 um, you know the 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 softer version of Richard Chu, because I'm not going to let people say something that I know is not factually correct. Um, but I I want you to call in because we need to talk about it, and maybe. Maybe on a good day, we might move the needle with a few people. And if we do, that's a blessing. But Roosevelt, you know, listen, man, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll let you finish up. By the way, let's not forget that he also, as soon as his uh, son-in-law, which he was being advised by them, as soon as they found out that it was affecting more uh, African-Americans and Latinos, remember those? Those people that died when he reopened, there was a bunch, uh, uh, at least twelve people that died in Dubuque, Iowa, I believe, from meatpacking company. I think so and yeah. Meat. yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. right. That's right. I forgot about that. Yep. Oh, yeah, man. too much to keep in one brain, that's, that's Roosevelt. Just, yeah, that was linking. I, I knew because it, it happened right away, and it was it was uh, broadcasted on the Spanish stations uh, on TV. Because yeah. they were directly, uh, Latinos were directly affected by the fact that Trump reopened. He, as soon as you found out, Latinos and African Americans, hey, let's open everything up, man. Let's yeah. go. Let's go to it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. And to your point, if I'm not mistaken, I may be mistaken about this. Wasn't Governor Pritzker called, didn't they, did he call, call the National Guard to protect from uh, his son-in-law? Because he was taking, it was coming during uh, yep. emergency uh, masks and ventilators. Cause it was, he was, about, to, it to, was about to get, they were about to get down. They were about to get down because uh, uh, Governor Pritzker said, oh, no, not in this state. Not going to let you do that. Exactly. And, and, then, and, and, and here's and here here's how here in all praises where praises do. Governor Pritzker, County President Preckwinkle, and the late mayor. Um, uh, why I'm drawing a blank on her name? Help me out, y'all. Um, uh, our former mayor. Uh, yes, Lightfoot. The three of them came together. They were the model exactly. of how to get this done. They were the model. They weren't perfect. I didn't say they were perfect, y'all. They were the model of getting it done. They worked together. They left their egos in the trunk of their car and said, look, we got to protect our people here. And the people who, who, who came to the area benefited from that after COVID because Chicago, the state of Illinois, was a, was a safe community. Roosevelt, you know I'm going to have to jump, man, because we're coming to the end of the show oh, and we've got to squeeze you. in some stuff. But thank, thank, you, thank you for calling and stay safe today. You too. Some quick shout-outs before we leave today. I want to give a shout-out to my girl, Deborah, uh, SC Paul, Rose, Paul, another Paul, Optimus P. Um, the list goes on. Karen, uh, Seth, uh, just Indy Armor, Heidi. You guys are wonderful. Natalie, we appreciate you. Sigmund, Sigmund Dine, Christy, Ursula, Jan. Uh, you guys are phenomenal. And I, I, I don't want to miss giving you guys shout-outs you know, throughout the course of the week, I may not did it, do it on every show, but I at least want to let you guys know I appreciate you following us and commenting and giving us your perspective, which oftentimes ends up being part of what we're talking about. So um, there, there's two sides of goodness to that. Um, what a great show. And the greatness is because you guys are participants in the process. We got to lean in, y'all. Just, just here's a visual real quick before we go. Imagine if there's a hundred of us lined up and we've got to move a semi-truck. You realize if that truck is in neutral, that we're going to move that semi-truck if we all lean in at the same time in the same direction. 
That's the power we have, guys. And ultimately, that's what everybody's been, been saying on today's show. When we lean in together at the same time, we have that power to move that semi-truck. So listen, it's been great to be with you today. Everybody stay safe uh, wherever you are. We appreciate you calling in and listening to Choose Views, supporting uh, WCPT and the greater progressive movement. Y'all have a good day. Be safe. We'll see you tomorrow.